Hi, this is Emily. Just a quick announcement before we get onto the podcast. We are going to London! Yes, Tales from the Shadows will be taking part in the Vault Festival. We are going over with the fairy tales of Oscar Wilde and we are going to be joined by the wonderful, the marvellous Alexandra Crystal, also known as Crystal Bollocks. Our show is on the 1st and the 8th of March at 3pm and we will be in the pit, the vaults, on Leak Street, that's in Waterloo. Details are in the link in the description below. Of course, the Shadow Girls are based in Dublin and the Vault Festival is taking place in London, so we need to get to London. We'll be doing a number of fundraisers. We have a Patreon, which we've already mentioned on the podcast. We also now have a Ko-fi, so if you feel you can't sign up to a monthly thing like a Patreon, but you'd like to maybe toss us the price of a coffee, consider buying us a Ko-fi. That's all the announcements. Hope you enjoy the podcast. We've got some stories to spin. Hello! This is the Sounds of Shadow podcast, the podcast where the Shadow Girls get together, talk about stories, storytelling, lots of other stuff, small dogs. I am Emily. I am Deirdre. I am Roisin. Yes, we're joined by a new voice. Roisin is joining us. And we also, of course, always have three snoring doggos. (laughs) Mimi's looking at me and it's scaring me. (laughs) Uh, she's giving me that all knowing look she does she's just actually (laughs) if anyone's watched the dragon prince uh it's a it's an animated thing on netflix it's it's really good really heartwarming but there's a glow toad glow toad called bait and mimi is bait except she doesn't doesn't glow she makes the same expressions so wise she is so wise very very wise yeah so um, hope you've had a, a merry Christmas, or at least survived Christmas, uh, and the new year, because this is probably going to come out in the new year. Oh, happy 2020. 2020. It's the roaring 20s, guys. Time to cut our hair and drop the waists and, Ooh. I don't know, do something. Pearls and Gatsby, everything. <laughs> Move into a house across the lake from that one girl that you met, <laughs> and then put a green light on. <laughs> yes, start, do for financial fraud. For the yes. <laughs> Throw parties, hoping she'll show up. The time is now. Never attend your own parties. (laughs) But we are. We're not talking about uh, Gaps. Gapsby. Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. How do you say the name? Gatsby. 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 It reminds me of there was a thing called Catsby, which is like a cat (laughs) version of Great Gatsby. So I always remember. Oh, it's Gatsby. 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 Yay. Um, But we're talking about spinning. Yay. And on the table in front of us is a gift Deirdre gave me. For a secret oh. Santa. Yeah. In work, we had a secret Santa, and Deirdre gave me a, a number of gifts, including a glittery bag, which I was very pleased about, because oh. sparkles, and <laughs> treats for the doggers. Mm-hmm. But she also gave me this really beautiful little spinning wheel. Mm. And it actually, I haven't I haven't spun anything on it, but it actually works. Sorry, I, I dropped it so oh. the pedal is... Oh, yeah. All that's missing so is yeah, a it, tiny thing. Yeah, a tiny thing there. Yeah. But it uh, it actually it actually spins. So if I if I got some raw wool I could spin some yarn and so it's kind of fitting as well because you've do, you've been doing a lot of neat, knitting recently yeah. as well I've got back into knitting and I've just been mm. knitting random things I knit baby stuff because you, you finish yeah. them quickly but then I'm like anyone got a baby? <laughs> <laughs> any babies going? any babies going to spare? Um, thankfully two of the girls we work with have uh, one has a niece one has a nephew Aww. I thought you were about to say they were expected oh god oh. <laughs> well if, if they are they haven't told me uh, definitely oh. not told me <laughs> uh, yes yeah, so yeah. spinning and knitting and wool, and we spin yarns. Yes, uh, because that's spinning a tale, mm. uh, telling a story, spinning a yarn. So I I love the symbol of 
the spinning wheel of the spinner of the distaff and all that stuff I just love the symbolism of it mm. and actually Stephen from work sent a message to our work whatsapp uh, that oh, yeah. a second hand shop near where we work has a spinning wheel <gasps> yes and oh. I was just looking at going I want it it's not sure. how, how can it's we send it to the I boss can the petty cash afford <laughs> having our own <laughs> spinning wheel yeah I think that would be very cool if you walk into a museum there's someone just doing traditional yeah, like, spinning like it, it'll, like, it'll bring you back into basically the last few hundred years yeah like, actually we're going in a ma- more of a, a nicer pace a quieter pace yeah because spinning yeah. has been hugely important to human society um, basically since we started becoming humans yeah uh, since we started you know, making clothes and making fiber be it out of sort of animal fibers like wool or plant fibers mm-hmm. like flax and Ireland in particular has always been famous for its linen oh yeah and, yeah, yeah like we don't have all here but Belfast linen in particular oh. was I mean, top of the line linen mm-hmm. linen linen yeah, because there's um, because there's been so many different types of form of the spinning wheel itself. Because mm. people used to hand spin. I read stories about people who used to leave the spinning on their head as well oh. to carry it from place to place, so they wouldn't have to carry it in their bag. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then there was other people as well who had different techniques to sort it out because. In Asia, they had their own style, and then in Asia, it was brought over into different countries. But before it hit Britain, I think it was also in the own version it was in India as well. Yeah, it's before I head over to like the west. Sort of almost as long as humans have been around, we've been working at how if you twist fibers together, you can make Excellent. bigger things, <laughs> and we we can make those things to make other things like bags, so we can hold more stuff, <gasps> or clothes, so we don't get cold. Revolutionary! <laughs> it, it really is the, yeah. the creation of thread of yarn, incredibly revolutionary to societies, yeah. and just how the spinning wheels went. Uh, so. I've been reading a bit about spinning. There is a book I've mentioned on the podcast before. You'll find it. Uh, Jack Sipes, Fairy Tale as Myth, Myth as Fairy Tale. Jack Sipes, um, like if you want to read something about fairy tales, he's, he's the man to go to. I like to call him the Godfather of Fairy Tales. Oh. <laughs> he's a bit, yeah, he's a, definitely recommend him. Yeah. And I like this book because it's quite short. It covers a lot of things, but one of the chapters is Rumpelstiltskin and the Decline of Female Productivity. Ooh. <laughs> And so I read this in college, um, reading stuff about fairy tales, and it sort of got me hooked on the image of spinning. Mm-hmm. Because I'd never, I, I, I'm a 20th century slash 21st century girl, so I, I don't make my own clothes most of the time. <laughs> I am not connected to the process of the things I consume, which is a whole 20th century thing. Uh, but So I'd never really thought about spinning mm-hmm. and about how you make it. But for so long, it was such an important part of people's lives. And even when people refer to like a symbol of female power, it's a distaff, mm-hmm. which comes from the spinning. It's the, the point. Yeah, it's the, it's the bit that holds the wool, isn't it? Yeah, it's the bit that holds yeah. the things together. And like things being referred to as on the distaff side, meaning on the feminine side. And this article got me thinking about all about how important spinning was to people mm-hmm. and how it became this sort of symbol and the word spinster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which we use now to refer to, you know, an old maid, and mm-hmm. an unmarried woman. It literally just used to mean someone who spins. Yeah. Because all cloth had to be spun. And it primarily ended up being women who did most of the spinning. And women were largely, they were the ones who were sort of in charge of all processes from, you know, raising the sheep to shearing to washing the wool, combing it, carding it, spinning it, and then either knitting or weaving it. And it 
became a huge thing because you'd, you'd spin your own stuff to you know, make your clothes. But then the surplus you would sell. And it was sort of like the start of commercial selling things and you could be in some ways independent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because it was largely a female thing, there used to be like spin stupens, uh, which was the German thing, which was a spin room, mm-hmm. where basically all the spinners, they'd get together and they'd sit around spinning their wool from dawn to dusk and they would talk. And sort of this would be like like the lying in rooms we talked about before on the French fairy tales literary salons. This was a, a female space where sort of folk wisdom got passed on and they told stories and there were a lot of sort of songs and riddles just to entertain each other. But Bring it, was, it back. Bring it back. Yeah, Bring it back. I, I had an old boss um, when I told him that I picked up knitting for like one of my short phases of, oh, let's do this for a week and then put it down again. Um, he said to me that there's, oh yeah, no, there's groups in the likes of America and a few other places called stitch and bitch groups oh, where like powerful. you're all, everybody will get together, have a bit of a stitch and then all of a sudden talk would form <laughs> when i was uh when i was younger i got taught um by my great aunt and by my granny and stuff they they focus on they were like you need to learn how to knit and to crochet and yeah. to sew and at the time i was like well this, it's, it's a nice hobby it was, yeah. it was a cool hobby to have but um it is funny when you get older you're all of a sudden you're like oh actually i do know how to sew mm-hmm. and, like this kind of traditional like crafts and stuff you don't really like they're they are still going oh still going. yeah and they're getting more and more like if you look at it, embroidery because i was doing it for my <gasps> yeah, um yeah. my cross, art project cross yeah. Yeah. i got a couple of cross stitch books actually for christmas and it's all those real revolutionary phrasing of and at least she still persisted mm. and showing you how to cross stitch in that way and it's kind of seen as sort of an act of rebellion yeah. Because we were, earlier on, myself and Roisin were talking about one of my favourite podcasts, My Favourite Murder. Yes. <laughs> and there was, in one of the episodes of My Favourite Murder, someone had t- taken a picture of a woman on a plane and it had eat my profanity <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, and someone had actually cross-stitched it into a piece of fabric. And then they challenged one of their fans to actually cross-stitch the lady cross-stitching eat a bag <laughs> of profanities um, actually as a cross-stitch itself. So there's like, Although it seems a very traditional form, you can still use it as a like refu- yeah. revolutionary method. Well, it, it was in some ways, it was a mode of independence. Oh, goodness, making, yes. And also very connected to expressing yourself because it was an art. Mm-hmm. Like if you were a good spinner, this was an art, this was a craft, this mm-hmm. was something quite important. And But it was also, it was productivity. You were mm-hmm. producing something, which is the whole thing Jack Sipes is talking about in this article about the spinning being female productivity and then how... As sort of the industrial revolution started and spinning machines and it moved from being spun in the home or sort of groups getting together themselves in sort of a collective into factories the spinning and the creation of cloth and wool and yarn it moved out of being done by hand largely by women to being done by machines which were largely run by men and then even when the women worked in the factories they weren't getting the same pay as the men and also they were removed from the actual the making of it because it was all becoming mechanized and machined and then the art of spinning got slowly lost and now it's only done as sort of like a an interesting yeah. hobby craft yeah. heritage preservation mm. thing i really think it is a very powerful kind of psychological thing to because like modern day work for the most part you don't really like you're a lot of people are in offices don't mm. really see kind of your actual work by the end of the yeah, day yeah. but whereas like if you kind of sit down to stitch something for a few hours by the end of it you've got an actual product yeah. like yeah. you've created something yeah. it is quite empowering i think especially if you're in like a low place in mental health i always thought that like if you sit down and you've created something 
yeah. you, you're kind of like look what I, I made yeah, I with my own it. two hands like um, yeah. I think it is very like empowering and like you said very symbolic now yeah. that just like I'm looking at it differently now <laughs> the little um, spinning wheel in front of us yeah and it's also it's it can be very because your hands are doing a thing you've got that part of your brain occupied so the other part can sort of unravel as you weave oh, yeah. and mm. it shows up in so many mythologies like the whole thing with the fates or the mm. yarn not the yarns the nor no what are they called is it the three uh, the three the phases th- from the Greek, uh, Greek there's, no there's three fates and then there's the Scandinavian Vikings had again three but they're sort of the seen as the fate and they they weave they sew they stitch it's this creation of cloth mm-hmm. but it's taking sort of matter mm. which is like the raw the raw flax or the raw wool and then giving it form and giving it purpose mm-hmm. in the creation of the yarn and it's sort of very symbolic of sort of creation of the cosmos and creating order and it's it's a very beautiful s- symbol and then the wheel of time the constant mm, spinning yeah. thing and it's uh, it's a beautiful symbol but again back to jack sipes <laughs> he was talking about how there's loads of fairy tales where spinning shows up mm-hmm. dozens of them but as spinning became less of a, a valued art a valued craft and became more mechanized the importance of spinning in the story changed and it became from the central theme of representing, you know, taking control of your destiny, the import this really important thing, to being just a side note for a bit of flavour. And he uses particularly Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Which is one of my favourite fairy tales. Oh, that's incredible. And, yeah, and how that story changed from it being about the woman to being about mm. Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-hmm. And how that changed, sort of, the control of the wool who was weaving the narrative was changed over time. Mm-hmm. And I love that story. I love that fairy tale. I was reading actually a really fun article, but there was a really interesting, I was either a blog post or article I was reading about, and they were saying how in the story of Sleeping Beauty with Rumpelstiltskin and the father tries to burn all the spinning wheels mm-hmm. of the town, it was really a symbol of maturity and that, that she was going to have to face... Oh, was this Bruno of Bethlehem? I don't think so. It was the Willow... Um, if I can get up for you now, I, I will. Bruno Bethlehem, again, he was a child psychologist who wrote that basically children need fairy tales because through the fairy tale you're metaphorically resolving issues you're going to come up with in life. Yeah, they say that um, because I was reading up on like young adult kind of literature, which is fairy tales originally was the like original stories for young people um, that um, the child kind of like vicariously through the characters yeah. is mm-hmm. like they're, they're, they're testing the boundaries and they're exploring like yeah. they they really need that so it is it's really interesting to think but one other thing um something that you brought up earlier on was spinning in yarn mm. um and i was looking up like bits and bobs behind the idea of spinning but of course spinning is also a thing that you could fishermen or sailors would do on boats and mm. things like that and spinning in yarn would literally come from taking that time to understand that world and pass on probably pass on their wisdom to the younger sailors yeah. and fishermen basically While you're mending your nets yeah while you like, do a thing with your hands you pass on story that way wisdom yeah and there is there is that sort of like you were saying before that therapeutic element of when you get into the spinning wheel there's this sound that comes from it or there's this rhythm that you follow yourself into and you just fall into like the beauty of it so um i think we should probably tell a story i'm gonna tell the the story that kicked me off into all of this and this is my version of rumpelstiltskin so it's a bit different from the grimm's version and i'll talk about the two different grimm's versions in a bit but when i was growing up a thing that was often told to me 
the thing that I was often told to me was, don't be smart. Don't be cheeky. Don't be telling stories. And I'm glad to say I completely ignored this advice. (laughs) And once upon a time, there was a young woman who was a spinner. She was a good spinner. She could spin fast. She could spin in even thread. She would spend all day sitting at her wheel, spinning away. And her father, who was a miller, he had his own, his own wheel, his own mill wheel. And he started saying to people that wheels were in the family and that his daughter, the generations had come together and she was so good she could spin straw into gold. And of course, when someone tells a story like this, it gets repeated and repeated and repeated. And eventually it came to the ears of the king and the king thought, spinning straw into gold, that'll flood the market, that'll ruin the economy, we can't be having this. So he called the miller and his daughter and said, you're going to prove, can you spin straw into gold? If you can spin the straw into gold, all will be well and I'll keep it in my treasury and things will be grand. But if you can't, you and your father shall be put to death. So the young woman was locked away in a tower where no one could reach her with a bale of straw and a spinning wheel. And as anyone who's ever tried, it's very difficult to even weave straw together <laughs> to make a bridge its cross, but there was no way she was going to be able to spin it, let alone spin it into gold. And just as the time was coming close when the guards would come to see could she have completed her task, something appeared in the room. Something a little bit like the shape of a man, but not quite. And this little man-shaped thing said, What are you crying about? And the girl said, Well... I have to spin this straw into gold, and if I can't, my Ian, my, my father will be put to death. And the little thing says, oh, spin a straw into gold? No bother. I can do that with my eyes closed. And she said, please, please, will you help me? Ah, oh, you don't get nothing for nothing, dear. What'll you give me? Well, what do you want? I'll, I'll take one of those tears from your eyes. You've got plenty to spare. And so she agreed. The little man put his finger out, took a tear out of her eye, and set to work. And quick as a wink, the straw had been spun to gold. The guards came in, they brought the king in. Everyone was amazed, but the king thought there was some trickery here. So he said, well, do it again. See if you can complete this miracle twice. And again, the girl was locked up with two bales of straw this time. And again, she began to weep because there was no way she was going to be able to spin this into straw. But then again, the little man appeared and said, oh, this is awfully familiar. Anyone else getting a bit of, what you may call it, that French fancy word that I can't remember. And I don't know why I'm doing this bizarre accent. Anyway. <laughs> You're turning into your Kerry accent I, yeah, again. I'm turning into a leprechaun, it seems. <laughs> this is awfully familiar. What are you doing up here weeping again? And the young woman said, well, I, you, you spun the straw into gold, but, but now the king wants me to do it again. And if I don't, I and my father will be killed. And the little thing said, oh, well, I'll do it again for you. Just because just I'm, I'm feeling generous. But you have to pay me. And she said, well, what, what do you want this time? Do you want another tear from my eye? Oh no, dearie, it's time I want a kiss from your lips. And, well, a kiss was, she was willing to give a kiss in exchange for her life. So he took the kiss and he began to spin the straw and soon enough it was gold. Again, the king came in to inspect and was like, well, you've done it twice. Let's see if you can do it a third time. And I swear, if you can do this for a third time, I shall make you my queen and you shall never need to spin again. And so she was locked up again, this time with three bales of straw. And she waited, hoping that the little man would show up again. And sure enough, he did. He walked around the room examining the straw, going, Terrible nuisance, all this straw into gold business. Where will it end? 
the young woman said, please, please, you have to do this or else I will be killed. And this is the last time I will ever ask you to spin straw into gold. And the little man said, well, boy, three times doing a thing. That's, oh, that's going to be a high price. Anything, I promise I'll give you anything. All right, I'll spin the straw into gold. I'll save your life. I'll see to it that you become the queen. But in exchange, I want your firstborn child. And the young woman said, well, I don't have a firstborn child. How, how can I give you something I don't have? And I said, oh, just, just, just promise me. The firstborn child is mine. And so she said, yes, yes, I promise you. The firstborn child, you can have it. Thinking to herself, I'm going to make sure I never get pregnant. The little man set to work. Sure enough, straw was turned to gold. The king came in and married the young woman. And she did indeed become the queen. Sadly, nine months later, she also became a mother. The midwife delivered the baby. But when the young queen held the child in her arms, there were not tears of joy in her eyes. She waited, knowing the little man would come to claim his price. And sure enough, he did. Ah, isn't it a beautiful bunny babe? Well, I'll be taking that. Oh no, please, please. I, I can give you gold. I can give you jewels. I, I can give you another kiss if you like. But the little man shook his head. A deal's a deal. But the young queen, she begged and begged, please don't take my child. And the little man said, well, you know, the baby would be nice. But you hold in the child. Oh, you make such a pretty picture. I'd love to have the complete set. So here's <laughs> the deal. You can keep your child if you can do something. And if you can do it, I'll leave you be. But if you fail, I get the baby and I get the mother as well. And she, didn't, <laughs> she didn't have much choice in this matter. So she said, well, what is it you want? Oh, it's a simple thing. No, no big deal. You just have to tell me what my name is. And I'll give you three days because I'm, I'm, I'm a very generous soul. So three days time, I'll be back. And if you can't tell me my name, I'm getting you and the baby. And then he was gone. And oh, the young queen, she had no idea what, what the little man's name was. She wondered if he might be Seamus the Leprechaun, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> she called for the scribe. She called for the storytellers, had them tell her every tale but none seemed to fit the little man she began to weep and the the midwife came and said well what's the, what's the matter dearie and well the young queen told her about the terrible deal she had made and the midwife said well there is a fairy wood nearby and this creature be it fairy or demon i imagine it will be going there so i shall go out tonight and i shall wait and i shall see what i can find and so the midwife went out to the fairy wood and waited. And when the sun set and the moon came up, a strange glow began to appear. She crept closer and saw that it was the flickering of a fire, but not a fire of this world. And dancing around the fire was a little man, or a man-shaped thing at least. And it was laughing and cackling and doing a jig and crying out, the queen and the baby, the queen and the baby will be mine, for she doesn't know that my name is Rumpelstiltskin. The midwife ran back to, and told the young queen this. The thing's name was Rumpelstiltskin. Sure enough, the little man appeared soon, ready to collect his prize. And the young queen paused for a moment, playing it out, going, Well, you don't look like a Jack. You don't look like a Richard either. You might be a Martha, but could your name be Rumpelstiltskin? And the little man was furious. He stamped his feet and said, Ah, oh, how did you do it? You found my name. Probably shouldn't have been singing it to the campfire last night. <laughs> well, you're a smart young one. And a deal's a deal. Fair is fair. So, 
you can keep your baby, but I'll give it a gift. And the little man crept close to the child and whispered in its ear, be smart, be cheeky, and be constantly telling stories. <laughs> and that is my version of Rumpelstiltskin. Yay! Yeah, I like that version. Yeah, it's a it's a fun one though. Grimm's they recorded actually two versions of Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-hmm. One that they recorded in about nineteen oh eight. Okay. Um, which is quite different because the the girl's problem is is not that uh, she needs to spin straw to gold. It's whenever she tries spinning wool, it turns into gold. Yeah. Which is a yeah, you know, I mean, it's nice, but... Opposite it, of her problem. But, yeah. Well, it's a bit of a problem because, you know, a it young woman is meant to show her skill by being able to spin, but she can't. Mm-hmm. And so a little fairy creature comes and says, well, I'll teach you how to spin properly. And in fact, your spinning will be so good that you'll win the hand of a prince. But I will want my payment. And of course, then the same thing goes on. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that it then turned from her needing to spin straw to gold to making the deal herself. So like her being able to spin normal wool... Uh, to her having to do this impossible task of spinning straw into gold mm-hmm. and that it's not her making the deals it's because of all these men around mm-hmm. her yeah. it's either telling tall tales or blackmailing her and the thing I never got she marries the king Yeah, mm-hmm. she marries the king who threatened to kill her and her father yep. I, three times I like how the king as well was like as a gift <laughs> you can marry me and, so, and, and she's like oh my god I am the gift I've been god. waiting for yeah. also the escalation from um, I'll, I'll take a kiss as payment and mm-hmm. then I'll take a child as payment mm-hmm. it's very symbolic of like I, this is my view of what things women can give me yes. you yeah. can give me like intimacy in that way or you can produce a child for me this Ooh. is what you can do or you can produce like wool <laughs> yeah, or I can take your teardrops. And yeah, just, or just yeah. A, just a little bit of a tear. Just a yeah. tiny. Whatever you can produce in that. Yeah. But when I uh, there's that um, there's that moment as well when she's in her like cries of pain, sadness when the child is born, and then all of a sudden you think she wouldn't have told the king what's actually going on. Oh or, sure, well, he doesn't need to know. Well, also then, <laughs> but then if she tells him that she didn't spin the straw into gold, the, okay, then he might just kill her. Oh god, yeah. I mean, this yeah. king doesn't seem the nicest character from what we gather about him yeah no okay true. <laughs> but every note was so when it's saying you never hear of the king's name no yeah. uh also i a thing jack sipes pointed out she she's only referred to as the miller's daughter mm-hmm. uh, she she doesn't have her own name and a lot of like research on rumpelstiltskin has been about the importance of naming the thing yeah mm-hmm. and like in fairy lore and stuff when you when you know something's name you can have power over it yes yeah in um scuddlegree pleasant the book series have you read it oh no but my, my sister yeah, yeah. Well, i remember you tell me about the, it it's more, a whole yeah. thing that derek landy um um says in, in the scuddlegree pleasant universe you have tree names which is basically um the name you're so my name would be roisin is given name to me but if anyone in the kind of world of magic knows your name and um, that you were given at birth they can use it to have control over you yeah. mm-hmm. so everyone goes by different names so the main character is Stephanie but she goes by Valkyrie but mm-hmm. there's also a name that you have that you yourself don't know but it's your true name yeah. mm-hmm. so you know it's deep down inside of you is um your actual name and if you actually know that you unlock a huge amount of power within yourself yeah so it's a huge emphasis on to be named is to be kind of to have power given but also sometimes probably taken away from you if yeah. it's by somebody else depending on mm-hmm. yeah who is it and what mm-hmm. name. Exactly. um actually there's a there's a brilliant book loosely inspired by the rumpelstiltskin story called spinning silver 
uh, by Naomi Novak, same person who wrote the Tamarera series, Dragons. Uh, <laughs> but it's really interesting because it does go into the whole, the importance of names and also how we tell a story and frame a story. Mm-hmm. Because one of the main characters in it, it's set in, I think, Russia. It never says the name of it, but they refer to the Tsar. So yeah. I'm assuming yeah, Russia. It's mm-hmm. that but her family are Jewish mm-hmm. and her family are moneylenders. And her, her father is a very bad moneylender because <laughs> uh, he doesn't collect the money back. Um, but the people often tell the Rumpelstiltskin story around her mm-hmm. because it's a story about someone not paying their debts. Uh, someone yeah. getting out of paying the debt. Mm. And how sort of the story can be reframed as different things. Mm-hmm. The, there was a thing that you brought up earlier on that uh, really connected with me. It was like, how who's spinning the narrative? Mm. It really is that kind of idea of, is knowing the name, knowing your own name and others not knowing your name, the true power, or is it the true power realizing that you're you've got you've won one over on Rumpelstiltskin by already yeah. knowing the information before he knows that you mm-hmm. know about it. He's just calling him what he is. Yeah. It's very like he like he is Rumpelstiltskin. He's not a mysterious figure. He, mm-hmm. he in his free time he dances around fires, just Chanting. yelling his name and so. There's like, something about his name is connected to the likes of stilts as well, or he's connected to be some sort well, of like poltergeist. It's just kind of a kind of a, a nonsense name because if you look at like lots of different versions of it, I think there's an English version where it's Tok Tick Tom, mm. oh, okay. and it's they're just sort of like nonsensey riddle mm-hmm. riddly names because you would be like sitting around chatting away and it's it's just sort of a nonsense thing like if you're like if I'm just like moving the thing up and down sort of rumpelstiltskin rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. rumpelstiltskin it fits the rhythm mm. or tock tick tom tock tick tom tock tick tom just sort of a, a nonsensey name mm. so the name is while it's the naming of the thing that is important the name itself mm. is not it's how you use the name yeah it's how you spin the yarn <laughs> <laughs> spinning 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 very good. So have you got a story for us, Deirdre? I do. I found one that is a rather short one from uh, Czech Republic. And it's about um, two girls who can who can actually spin. It's about a king and a prince who've been wandering throughout the land. And as they're crossing through the forests, they find a cabin. And there lives a stepmother, her first daughter, and then another daughter by marriage. Now, these two girls although they're not related by blood, look almost identical to each other. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's different is one has dark hair, one has light hair. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as the stories do go on, one's an evil sister mm-hmm. and one's a good sister. Ah. But thankfully, they both have the power of spinning that they learned from the stepmother. And while the prince is there, he falls madly in love with the girl with the blonde hair. And he's thinking to himself, if you can spin as well as you look, then I must have you as a wife. But, he says, I'll return to you in a few days' time and spin for me the best wool, the best linen that you can do, and I'll invite you back to the castle. So, he leaves the cabin and he travels back with his father, but the stepmother is not happy. So the stepmother and the girl with the dark hair hatch a plan. They drag out the blonde-haired sister out to the woods. And they begin to chop her up. They take, a, they chop off her arms, chop off her feet, and then scoop her eyeballs out of her head and leave her good for dead in the woods. Then return to the cabin, and the daughter with the dark hair decides to dye it blonde. But she hacks this plan. And so she decides that she's going to become the woman of the prince's dreams. And of course, the prince ends up marrying the now new princess of the town 
And these two, they decide to try to spin. But a messenger uh, attacks the castle. Why does it attack the castle? He approaches the castle and cries, there's, there's a magician, there's a magician in the woods. And he says that I need to talk to the new princess, the new princess who likes to spin. I need to talk to her. I've, I've been talking to someone and the magician says that in return for the girl's eyes, arms and her legs, that I can give you a golden spinning wheel, a spindle and a, the staff itself. But in return, I must need those body parts. Of course, thankfully, this conversation was done in secret. And in exchange for a brand new spinning wheel and all parts involved, the new princess, they, she gave all of the old sister's limbs. Where she kept them, I have no idea. <laughs> but the messenger returned to the magician in the forest and gave back all the body parts. Now, the magician, thankfully, had been keeping the girl alive. And with the addition of the body parts come back, he could actually attach them back to her again. Oh, like a really weird jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, a very odd jigsaw. But little do they know, when the sister, who had the dyed blonde hair, began to spin from the golden spinning wheel, that all those in the castle, including the king and the prince, heard the story as the golden spinning wheel let go of all the secrets of how the stepmother and the stepdaughter tried to plan the murder of his true wife-to-be. And the king marched straight forward to the forest, found the rightful princess, and brought her to the castle. And the prince and the prin- and the new princess, the rightful one, were married. And uh, it was said that the two conspirators were then thrown to the wolves. Ooh. So, oh, yeah, okay. Indeed. Um, I just thought it was really fun. It was I realise I really enjoy gory stories these days. She um, yeah. keep those limbs on ice. How did she really <laughs> I have no idea. In one version of the story, I heard it was a hermit who tried to keep the girl alive. In one version, mm. it was a magician. And I like the idea it was a magician because he had mm. the cures and he had the ways yeah. to maintain the body. Yeah. And I had visions of Frankenstein's monster. Then I had visions yeah. of like mm. Sally from Night Before <laughs> oh. Christmas of how we keep this girl alive. Yeah. Um, but it, it reminded me of when we were doing the first part of Cinderella how we were, there were always talks about chopping off the limbs that mm. way as well. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the heels and the... Yeah, and then the birds come down and they pluck out the eyes as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Loss of sight, loss of your hands that yeah. you can use to make things. Yeah, loss of exactly. your feet that can bring you places. It's sort of like oh. trying to dehumanise you. Yeah, yeah, completely. Wow. Yeah. That, I've never heard of that before. I like, I. Like, I like the... Um, um, like you said, like the same things popping up in lots of different fairy tales. Mm-hmm. When she weaves the thing, it's like the the king with the donkey's ears. Yes, when that's you, exactly what I you, thought of. When yeah. you the chop down the wood and you make the harp, and the harp plays it, it, it. and lets out the secret. And it, it's yeah. another yeah. form of like playing the music and yeah. weaving the thing. It's, oh, a, it's yeah. an action. Yeah, it's that, an action. that was the first thing that popped to my head yeah. when I found the story. Also, there's yeah. the, um, the the song, which is a, it's a oh. Scottish ballad, but it's repeated sort of all over the place. Of the two sisters. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two sisters who both want to marry the same man. Oh, of course. And he has his eye on one of them. So the one that feels a bit rejected says, let's go down to the river. <laughs> and she pushes her sister in and her sister uh, drowns. Oh, but her body sort of just floats along for a bit. Uh, and there's a weird line in it where um, it comes to the miller's dram and the miller's daughter goes out and says, there's either a swan or a drowned woman. <laughs> They are a bit different. Because yeah. we're not on. But yeah. the body gets sort of washed up and the miller doesn't mm. want to do anything about it because like if I, you know, she's clearly a noble woman based on her jewellery. Mm-hmm. So people are going to think I killed her. Yeah. But a wandering bard passes by and thinks, oh, it's a body. I know what to do. So he takes 
he turns her into an instrument. Oh, and depending Jesus. on like which version of the thing you're going on, they depend change the instrument. Like sometimes he takes like her breastbone and her rib cage oh. and makes the frame for a harp and strings it with her hair. Whoa. And another scene makes like a fiddle and oh, the I... bit I just remember is the bridge of her nose becomes the bridge of the violin. Oh, I thought, I thought you meant like in the magical way, like he translates and he uses her. No, no, no like the and then, way. Yeah. But then he, like he happens to be going <laughs> to her parents' house because they're the local lord and lady. And he puts the harp down on the stones but the harp starts to play on its own and tells the story of her murder. Gosh. Yeah. That's so... That's intense. Yeah, I think the uh, folklore feminist folklore podcast uh, did an episode on it. The oh, two sisters. Yeah. That's a great story. Oh, that's uh, fabulous. I wonder how your one dyed her hair blonde. Bleach. Bleach. Yeah. Probably like you know, lots of maybe lemon juice or um, mm-hmm. lime. Well, yeah. I find the way it's if you have that touch of evil in you, you'll find it by any means. Oh, yeah. yeah. In that kind of way. Kind of awake. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that kind of way, indeed. I actually, when yeah. flicking through one of the books in work. Uh, it, just a little pocketbook of old Irish stories. I found a story that I'd originally found as a French version, oh. which I love how these stories just get passed mm. around. Oh, actually, I heard yeah. the story, if it's the story that you told me of the other day, I heard a Scottish version of it as well. Oh, yeah, there's so yeah. many versions. Because I, the, now, I, I feel quite guilty saying this. Emily did tell me one of the stories mm-hmm. that she was going to tell for today's podcast, and I got quite excited because I remember hearing that, reading that, finding that story somewhere else, and there's so many great images in it. I know, it's, so it's a fun images. story. Yeah. But again, it's a story about um, a woman whose, uh, whose marriage prospects depend on her ability to spin. Roisin, 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 just tip the tip of the spindle. Is she going to fall asleep? No, I wanted to see if it was a giant. Thankfully, a drop of blood did not come out of Roisin's finger. She dropped the spindle. So we're okay. I just saw us like thinking. (laughs) We both passed at the same time with that. In fairness, on a hundred year nap, um, it wouldn't go astray at any stage. That's only because you're getting used to college. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there was once a, a young woman who was raised by her three fairy godmothers. They lived in the middle of the woods and the godmothers, they tried to teach this this young girl their ward all the things she would need to know. She learned to cook, to clean, to read, to write, to do sums. And they tried to teach her to spin, but she, she was just, she was a little bit clumsy and she couldn't quite get it. Her yarn would be, well, the tension wouldn't be right and it would sort of come apart and try as they might, they couldn't teach her to spin. But they themselves were very good spinners and would spend all day spinning away at amazing speed. And their yarn was then taken and woven and sent to the king and queen. And the queen looked at this yarn and thought, oh, wow, this, this is art. This is talent. I I want to meet whoever makes this. And word came to the little cottage and the three godmothers said, well, you know, we're fairy godmothers. We don't really make public appearances too much unless you know, it's a wedding or a christening. So why don't you go instead and say that you're the one who spins? And so the young woman went and said, yes, I'm the one who spins this stuff. And the queen was very impressed and thought, now if I could have her in my castle, she could spin for me all day long and I could have the most beautiful cloth because it was quite normal for in the castle to have to employ spinners because they needed cloth. And she began to scheme of how could she get this woman to stay with her. And as it happened, she had a son. Mm. And when the son <laughs> saw the young woman, he thought, she's really pretty. <laughs> and and her voice is really nice. And her hands are really soft. 
and her skin is really clear and her feet are really small and <laughs> she's got such great posture. And the two struck up a conversation and, well, pretty soon it became clear that they were both in love. And the Queen thought, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. My son shall marry her. She shall spin all day long for me. Everyone will be happy. With her soft hands. <laughs> yeah, oh, and her small feet. <laughs> <laughs> and her, her lovely nose. Yes. And the, the three fairy godmothers, well, there was going to be a wedding. So, of course, they could show up at a wedding. But they began to hear about the Queen's plans, about how she planned to keep her daughter-in-law stuck all day spinning away. And that would be, you know, that's one thing. But when the daughter-in-law also can't spin, this was not a fate they had in mind for their goddaughter. So they decided, well, they would just show themselves in all their glory. So they appeared at the pre-wedding feast. And they began to talk and said, yes, we are her godmothers. We have raised her. We taught her everything we knew. We are the ones who taught her to spin so magnificently. And the queen, well, the queen wanted to know what was their secret. And so she went up and she began to talk to the first one. But, well, she kept getting a bit distracted because, well, the woman had this massive red nose. It was, it was huge. It was, it was, she looked more like a dachshund than a woman. And, and the queen, eventually, she, she knew it was very rude, but she said, I'm sorry, but I, I just have to ask, your nose, has it always been like this? And the, the fairy godmother said, oh, well, once I had the most beautiful little button nose, but alas, I spend all my days spinning and sniffing and the little bits of flax and wool, they club into my nose and I sneeze and I sneeze and I've sneezed so much that my nose has grown into this but I still spin lovely wool and the prince ever heard this and thought ugh hope this doesn't happen to my wife <laughs> the queen then began to speak to the second godmother and again they were chatting away but she was she was still a bit distracted because well the woman had one foot that was normal and the other foot was this huge enormous it was nearly as long as she was tall and the queen eventually just had to ask what's up with your foot how, how do you even manage to walk with it i mean do, do you ski I imagine they could that. <laughs> and the second godmother said well you see i i once had two beautiful little feet cinderella was no match for me i could dance all day i was dainty and light but i'm a spinster and i spend all day spinning and my foot is tapping away at the pedal. And in fact, I've been tapping away at the pedal so long that my foot has grown. And the prince overheard this and thought, Ugh, I, I like my wife's feet. <laughs> I don't want her to end up with a massive ski on her foot. <laughs> and the queen began to speak to the third godmother. But it was a bit difficult because well, the woman had was clearly once at one stage tall. But she was now bent so far over that her eyes were touching her knees and the queen was sort of having to bend upside down to try to see the woman's face and eventually said look this is ridiculous why don't you stand up straight and the third godmother said well i i would but i can't you see i spend all day spinning and i'm hunched over and in fact i've been hunched over so long that my back won't straighten up anymore and the prince heard this and said right that's enough of this these women may bake beautiful cloth, but look at the toll it has taken on their bodies. I forbid my wife to ever spin again. And the three fairy godmothers gave each other a wink and went home. 
but they left behind on the doorstep the giant foot, the giant nose, and the stooped back. And one day when the queen was walking by, she had the terrible misfortune to pick up all three. Oh no. Oh dear. <laughs> That's just a fun little story. Oh, it's just the emphasis on the small feet. I <laughs> always cracks me up what, um, what the the beautiful attributes are when they lift yeah. them off in fairy tales. Because clear skin, okay, okay, like it's like long flowing hair, okay, okay, tiny hands. It's like, oh, okay. but, I, but I like that image of soft hands, meaning it's obvious she's she never done yeah, a day's work yeah. because she hasn't yeah. been through with the black suit. I think it's yeah. funny is like you can either be beautiful or productive yes pick one, pick one that yes. was that was another thing that came up time and time again when i was mm. hearing this stuff uh, like would you would prefer a partner who yeah. is beautiful or the one that could work you only have three roles and um, so you can be a spinster but you won't be able to be a wife uh you'll be a wife but you won't be able to do anything else or you know you're either a maiden you're a widow you're a wife you're yeah if you're confident of one of those roles um, well then you're clearly a witch yeah so then we're going to burn you <laughs> <laughs> oh, just be thankful you weren't a witch in Dublin in the Victorian period because oh you get half hung so you'd be half dead half alive and then burnt alive in the Victorian period yeah 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 in the 1700s Georgian oh Georgian, Georgian. sorry early Georgian oh, sorry yeah. you can tell I wasn't a very good historian <laughs> sorry yes Georgian no, I was just thinking because yeah. I know like Bridget Cleary mm. is sometimes called the last witch burnt in Ireland even mm. though no one was accusing her of being a witch. They were accusing yeah, her of being yeah. a changeling. Uh, mm. But that was Victorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a story for another time. Oh, yes. definitely. But um, to go back to the story of the feet, the back and the nose, there was a version of it that I heard that had women who arrived who had twisted lips. Ooh. Because, oh yes, the princess was lovely and grand and perfect. But they realised it was the older women with the twisted lips because they kept on licking their fingers as they were oh. moving uh, moving it through the spinning wheel. And I just love it how small images like that can make turn it to be so much more. Mm. I think they're brilliant there. But it's um, one thing that you were saying to me the other day was it was a great means of independence. Oh, yeah. That you could just do it on your own terms. Yeah, because I mean, if you're... Yeah. If you can make your stuff and you can sell it, you are, you are in control. You have power. Mm. And you have a, a form of independence and equality. So they're so scary. These spinster figures, these widow figures are yeah. they're evil in stories because they're independent. Yeah. And it's like um, Philosophy Tube, uh, who does brilliant videos, oh, yeah. did, a, did a video on witchcraft, feminism and uh, communism. Oh, is that, is that, that's my college friend? That's <laughs> it, thinking, it sounds like the unofficial name we have for yeah. the Shadow Girls. Okay, lefty communist witches! <laughs> but he was talking about um, how with the rise of like mm-hmm. sort of early industrialization, early capitalism, a lot of the female power was taken away because it used to be like you worked for yourself and your family mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then it was changed to you work for the capitalist mm-hmm. and you you don't own the means of production which is kind of like the thing with the spinning because it used to be the it was done in the home in the village in the spin mm-hmm. stoop and you were the one in control of it and then it was moved into factories and was mechanized mm-hmm. and it made more product but you didn't control it yeah if, if you were the one making it you weren't in charge and you weren't in mm-hmm. control and the person who was making all the profit was not connected to it and again this stuff that used to be a very feminine associated thing became largely male dominated yeah witches and spinning there's a connection it has to be like in Sleeping Beauty (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. but that's um, 
there's uh, the witch in like you know the Disney animated version mm-hmm. and the end where like she's uh, is outside the castle and she's just a huge green figure yeah. and the animation is gorgeous oh, yeah. it's, it's one of some of the best like like old school Disney animation yeah. out there is the and of the dragon the snaps of the dragon yeah. the way it's so beautifully animated oh. and she's just a really cool she's witch so though like she's fantastic. so like I am the mistress slippery. of all evil yeah, yeah. she's so uh, elegant think- and vicious at the same time yeah, yeah it's just oh she's a wonderful wonderful creature oh she really is we should we should probably leave it there um we've spun a few yarns for you <laughs> uh, woven a few tales can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> uh if you've enjoyed this um maybe rate review subscribe tell a friend we also in march big news we're going to london Vault Festival. You can uh, get tickets on the Vault thing. We will be tweeting about it. Yeah, we're doing the yeah. tales of Oscar Wilde with shadow puppetry and crystal bollocks and oh, as the yes. drag performer. It's going to be awesome. There's a lobster. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a remote control lobster, but we oh. haven't decided yet. Well, uh, I've been vetoed on the drone. Oh. oh. Yeah, can't have a drone operated lobster, apparently. Health and safety gone mad. Well, oh. lobsters, I think technically lobsters did not fly, but they swim. But we, but we're we're not going to be telling. We can't tell stories underwater. But you know, water and Um, air. There's a, yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I love you dearly, but we. uh, One, I can't swim, and two, I can't tell stories underwater, and I don't know who can, unless you want us to do it through bubbles. And the shadow puppets are made out of paper, so they would dissolve. Exactly. Yes. Um, (laughs) We also have a Patreon if you want to support us. That'd be nice. Um, Yeah. I've been Emily. I've been Deirdre. I've been Roisin. And hopefully we will spin you some stories soon. And all the best for 2020. Woo!